0: You're about to listen to an Audible original. Immersive audio entertainment like you've
1: never heard before. Discover comedies from some of your favorite stars. Plus more genres you love. All inside the Audible app. But for now, enjoy the ride.
2: The following contains language that some may find offensive.
3: Anytime you see me with my arms around any old man, I'm holding them for the police. (laughs)
2: She was one of America's first stand-up comedians.
4: Without Moms Mabley, we wouldn't have half of who we have now because we wouldn't have any women. She was really the voice for us and for any kind of outsider. She
5: was
2: called the funniest woman in the world.
5: Moms Mabley in my household was arguably the funniest woman we'd ever heard.
0: She was one of the only, only, only women of any race, but certainly black women, who was on stage with equal footing as men in comedy. She was the original queen of comedy.
6: She had a way of telling you the truth, even though it was distasteful, and making you laugh, laugh at yourself, laugh at something that's really not funny, but it's the truth.
2: Television didn't even exist when she started her career. But by the time she was done... She'd become a fixture on every single channel. Jackie Mom's Mably was a comedy trailblazer who went places no man or woman had ever gone. I don't want
3: nothing over some old money. Yeah. I'm the oldest, but I got the youngest idea.
7: Yeah.
2: In this episode, we follow the path of a true comedy pioneer whose career spanned over six decades.
8: There's not a female comedian, white or black, that don't owe homage to Moms Mabley for opening those doors for a woman.
2: I'm J.B. Smooth, and this is
3: Funny My Way.
2: Moms Mabley.
3: Ain't nothing the matter with old women but old men.
2: When it comes to stand-up comedy, Moms Mabley created the mold, then broke it. She was a true original, going from sweet and sassy to bold and bawdy in the blink of an eye. It's like, oh, I know a woman didn't just say that.
6: That was not done back then.
2: She'd put on her grandmotherly housecoat, leave her teeth behind in her dressing room, and own the stage.
0: She understood that people would listen to her as an older black woman character in a very different kind of way because of the whole historical thing of seeing black women as mammy figures, as these caretakers. Author, poet and human rights activist Kevin Powell. One of her bits that she uses and she talks about someone kept calling her mammy, and she said, "Nope, not mammy, moms." She's very clear. I mean, there's a distinction. I am not a mammy, I'm moms, which means that I come with a lot of wisdom, and you all better listen to what I got to say.
3: Some old clan come down by Mammy I said, "No damn mammy, mom." I don't know about no log cabin. I never seen no log
7: cabin.
3: (laughs) Split level in the suburbs, baby.
2: Comedian Margaret Cho says Moms was much more than a comedy pioneer. She also challenged every stereotype of race, gender, and sexual orientation.
4: I can't even imagine what it would have been like to really be as brave as Moms Mabley during that era. Moms Mabley really just played with what your ideas about womanhood were, about blackness were, about what women were supposed to be doing, what black women were supposed to be doing. This is like before the civil rights movement, but this is before the gay liberation movement, before Stonewall, before even bra burning, before any of these thoughts that we could be considered equal, that we had a place at the table.
2: Less than 30 years after the end of the Civil War and the abolition of slavery. Black Reconstruction and its hopes have already been dashed. Jim Crow laws are spreading across the country, stifling black progress. Loretta Mary Aiken is born on March 3rd in the small town of Brevard, North Carolina.
3: She's one of 16 children. I was born about... Grandma's in Asheville in a little small town, you know. I love it. Asheville, North Carolina. Most beautiful place in the world. Here's Bambi Haggins,
2: a UC Irvine professor and author of Why We Laugh, Funny
9: Women. There are are multiple stories of trauma. It's not like with Richard Pryor where... They really map what his actual biography was. Moms kept it, kept it cool in terms of filling in too many details.
2: Charisma Wooten wrote and starred in a one-woman show called A Night with Jackie Moms Mably.
6: She was a daddy's girl. Her father, Big Jim Aiken, he had a grocery store and a fire engine. The fire engine blew up on him one day. And after a while, things just start
2: going badly. Loretta's father dies in that explosion. Not long after that, her mother is hit by a truck and killed while walking home from church on Christmas Day. Loretta is just 11 years old and an orphan, and then more trauma.
6: She was raped twice, once by the town sheriff, and one by
9: a college man in town. There have been a lot of stories about mom's background. There are things that are hard to verify. The idea that she had been raped twice, well, at least twice I can think that most people agree upon and that she was impregnated as a result. Forced into marriage with an older man when she was quite young.
6: She gave the children up for adoption.
5: Moms may in a way, really shows the strength of a Black woman.
2: Editor-in-chief of the digital magazine ambassador, Lusa Jackson. She had to go on with her life. She
5: dealt with trauma in her own way, which was through comedy.
4: Moms Mabley overcame so much and was able to be a comedian because the way that we endure suffering and carry on is through a sense of humor because uh, i think the laughter kind of carries you into the next moment it's the insurance that you're going to survive another day to laugh again
3: color walked into barbershop (laughs) (laughs) the man looked at him and said we don't want any porter Colorfella said, what do you mean porter? What are you talking about, porter, man? So I, do I look like a porter? I came in here to get a haircut. The fellow looked at him and said, well, I ain't gonna cut your hair. <laughs> color fellow ran back and said, what if I tell you I was from Ghana? He said, that's what I said, I ain't gonna cut <laughs> your hair. Moms would always use
2: humor To cope with the horrors she endured as a child.
3: Everything your parents pick for you to do, who do you to love, who you to go out with, who you even to marry. Think of somebody picking somebody for you got to spend the rest of your days with. Make no difference what condition it was in. If daddy said so, that was it. And I wasn't nothing but a child. Nothing but a child, 14 going on 15 years old, and just as cute as I want to be.
7: Hair hanging down
3: my back. See, I'm half Indian. And the other half, the beauty parlor takes care of that. And this old dead a moldy
7: man.
3: I mean an old man. Santa Claus looked like his son. He was older than his mother. He was older than his sister died. We went to the funeral. After the funeral, the minister walked over, tapped him on the back. said, how old are you, Pops? He said, 91.
9: He said, ain't no need you going home. That old man is dead good. It's simple, very direct, but she gets away with saying so much more because of the fact that she has this non-threatening persona. Even though everything she said really was about threatening multiple status
2: quo's. Mom's family urges her to leave North Carolina for a better life, so she heads for Cleveland, Ohio, where she boards with a local clergyman's family. Mom soon meets a vaudeville star who convinces her to come to Pittsburgh to pursue performing. An orphan and only 15 years old, Loretta knows she has to look out for herself.
4: The best way to kind of parent is to parent yourself because you have to sort of take care of yourself first before you take care of anyone else. Her taking on the moniker of Moms was really a symbol of her needing to mother herself, her needing to mother other performers.
2: Moms hits the black vaudeville circuit performing with entertainers from jugglers to magicians to singers. It's not long before she's discovered by a husband and wife comedy team, Butterbeans and Susie.
7: Dog for my road Well, here it is, here it is I want it hot, I don't
1: want it cold My dog's never cold
2: Known for their racy songs, Butterbeans and Susie (laughs) are one of the most popular black acts of the early 20th century
9: it's really amazing when you think of the fact that moms started out on the Chitlin Circuit with Butterbeans and Susie, and they her, sort of took her under their wing. The Chitlin Circuit being the clubs where Black performers could perform for Black audiences.
6: And after you came off the chitlin circuit, which paid, you know, minimal salary, going around South where you couldn't stay in hotels, so you were either on a bus or, you know, you kept moving. But you
2: did that for a while. It's the roaring 20s, and the Great Migration surges on. Millions of black Americans flee the racism and violence of the
10: South heading north and west in search of new opportunities. The Black migration was a signature moment in American society. Author and professor
2: of Black popular culture at Duke University, Mark Anthony Neal.
10: It dramatically transforms American demographics, right? And what it meant for Black entertainers who had to only exist in the chitlin circuit in these segregated Black communities to bring their talents... And particularly if they were moving to large metropolises like Los Angeles or New York, right, these two places in particular that are entertainment centers, it opened up their audiences. And so that really changes everything, right? It changes the money, it changes the visibility. It's a different world. Now in her 20s, Moms heads to New York to join what would become the Black
2: cultural epicenter of the country, Harlem.
6: During that period that they call the Harlem Renaissance, She was with Sora. She was with Langston Hughes. She was with all those luminaries, those artistic luminaries. It's just like, you know, someone doing a story on you and they start naming all your friends. They were all friends. That was the magic of it.
2: Inspired by those friends, Mom starts writing edgy new material and performs in hot spots like the Cotton Club, in the Savoy Ballroom. Vaudeville performers of that time are like family. And her fellow cast members recognized Loretta's maternal spirit. They started calling her moms.
4: When you're a queer woman, you also end up mothering everybody. Queers often are, like, cast out of their homes or are not allowed family in a lot of ways. And so motherhood is a really important identity in the queer community. And I think she kind of gave
2: herself that with the name Moms. Much of Loretta's early life is a mystery, but apparently she was briefly married to another performer.
6: Sooner or later, she got married to this guy named Jack Maidley. She didn't stay married long, but she kept his name, and then she started out.
9: There's a lot that's not directly known about Moms. We know that she had partners, had girlfriends, and had boyfriends. The one we know for sure is her name is Loretta Akins. Maybly isn't anywhere in that. But she said that yeah, Maybly was the last name of a man who had taken everything from her. So the least she could do was take his name.
2: The stock market crash of 1929 kicks off the Great Depression. It's a period of tremendous economic hardship for much of the country, especially in the black community, where the unemployment rate rises to 50%. Americans are looking for escape and seeking out cheap entertainment. They find it on Broadway, where Loretta Aiken, now going by the name Jackie Mabley, collaborates with fellow Harlem Renaissance artists Sora Neal Hurston, Tim Moore, and Lottie Meany. They create a sketch review called Fast and Furious, which opens in 1931 at the New Yorker Theater.
6: They were all friends, and it's just at that particular time, the artists that were doing the work, they were, as we look back in time, they were friends, and they were supporters of each other. That was the magic
2: of it. Mabley also lands a part in the 1933 film The Emperor Jones, based on a play by Eugene O'Neill. She shares the screen with Paul Robeson, a major African-American star who played the role first on Broadway. Please meet you, Mr. Jones. Want to dance? Sure. But Mom's Biggest Moment comes in
9: 1939, at the age of 45, she was the first black woman to headline as a comic at the Apollo. Moms was the goat at the Apollo for a long time. Two men, one white fella and one colored fella, held up the bank.
3: Killed three bank tellers, two policemen, wounded bystander a woman, sent them something to be home. They're going to be home. White fella said to himself, I don't wanna be hung. I don't wanna be hung. Color fella <laughs> said, Oh man, we don't kill up all them people. And we talk about you don't wanna be hung. They gonna hang us, and that's all it is. So not you face it like a man. White fella said, That's easy for you to say, cause you used to it.
2: Moms would go on to perform at the Apollo more than any other woman in the theater's
1: history. Apollo historian and tour guide, Billy Mitchell. Moms Mabley could sell out a show by herself without having other people on the card. But when you would, like, let's say, for instance, a Motown act was at the Apollo, and, and they needed somebody to open up the show, and they got Moms Mabley. I guarantee you, half the audience came just to see Moms Mabley. Moms Mabel,
11: she was considered the queen of comedy by the Apollo Theater. That's Irene
2: Gandhi, publicist for the 1987 Obie Award-winning play,
11: Moms, starring Clarice Taylor. And I think that is appropriate title because when Apollo considers you anything and don't put you off the stage, then you know you're there, you know. And weekly people came to see her and they stayed in line after the show. At that time, there were
2: other men in the Black entertainment world who share mom's level of fame. But as a woman, she virtually stands alone.
6: Everybody wanted to see her. and She was always like the opening act or the main feature where they had other dancers and other artists around. She was one of the main liners to garner a salary of $10,000 a week. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money right now.
2: Translate that into today's
1: dollars, and Moms is pulling in roughly a hundred grand a week. Whether she was black or European or white, whatever you want to call her, she was one of the highest paid comedians.
2: Moms keeps her personal life private, especially when it comes to her kids.
6: During those times, people didn't talk about what they were doing privately.
2: Having given up two children for adoption when she was still a child herself, she goes on to raise four more children with the help of her family.
6: Moms was on the road doing her shows all over the world. Her nuclear family, her sister or an aunt or a cousin would be taking care of her personal family. As
2: mom's popularity soars, so does her confidence. While she wasn't open about her sexuality on stage, Moms was out of the closet with those who knew her
9: offstage. So many people who know who Moms Mabley is don't know that Moms Mabley was either a lesbian or bisexual. And openly so during her Apollo years. One of the women who shared a dressing room with her said, we didn't use the term homosexual. You know, it was just on stage, she was Moms. Offstage, she was Mr. Moms. Someone who,
0: you know, she was openly a lesbian as early as the 1920s at a time when most folks kept that to themselves because of the ridiculous homophobia and transphobia in our world. She's someone, who, you know, who actually dressed in men's suits after shows. She'll be on stage in one outfit, her costume for the show, but she would take pictures being dressed in men's suits afterwards.
1: Moms maybe openly had some very beautiful women around her. Absolutely you know, and she would take photos with them, you know, with an arm around a gorgeous lady and things of that nature. So it it, it was what it was, you know.
4: For myself, also as a queer woman, we kind of looked to making fun of performative femininity as a way to work out some of our own issues around it. Moms Maybe was making a lot of statements about gender, about race, about expectations for black women and it's really profound that she was able to get away with so much at that time but also like have this great kind of legacy of performance that we can look back on as a historical document of where we were at that time what was happening at that time with women with race with sexuality it's really important
11: This is one of the happiest moments of my life. I sincerely hope I shall always be a credit to my race and to the motion picture industry.
2: History is made in 1940 when Hattie McDaniel becomes the first black person to win an Academy Award. She wins for Best Supporting Actress playing Mammy, an enslaved black servant in Gone with the Wind. It's a portrayal Moms is strongly against but she suburbs that image and uses elements of it in her stage persona.
9: The floppy hat, the teeth, the mismatched clothing, etc. I think her brand of comedy was
11: inviting.
9: Irene
2: Gandhi says moms used stereotypes to make her audiences
11: comfortable. Even the way she dressed, you know, coming out there... It was like you're talking to your grandmother that says, you know, don't eat peanuts and watermelon at the same time. There was a certain comfort. Comedy historian, Cliff
1: Nesteroff. Most comedians in the 1920s and 30s were doing a character. You did not talk about your own life on stage. You inevitably wore some sort of costume or you did a character. So Moms Mabley would take her dentures out when she went on stage and she would play this old woman. And it added to the comedic effect. She would kind of gum at her lips between each line. And that alone was funny. Here's Merv
2: Griffin talking about mom's transformation from offstage to on.
1: She used to come in with her chauffeur, you know, and she had on her fur, and she looked, I'd say, hey, Jackie, how are you? Great Merv, hug and kiss and everything. Then she'd go down the dressing room, take out her teeth, (laughs) put on the thing, old thing, and she'd line. It it wasn't even the same woman who came up out of the dressing room. In the 1950s, Moms is
2: still playing the Apollo on a regular basis. She also headlines at the Howard Theater in Washington, D.C. and the Regal Theater in Chicago. Comedy albums are starting to take off, bringing a nightclub experience into people's homes. And Moms gets in on the action, signing with Chess Records and releases an album with a title that throws down the gauntlet. Is called The
3: Funniest Woman in the World. Man, the first night home with his wife from the army, you know. Telephone kept on ringing. He'd find the gun up and answer it. Got back in bed. He said, Who was it, darling? She said, Uh, some crank trying to get the weather bureau. Kept on asking, Was the coast clear? <laughs>
2: Mainstream America finally learns what the black community has known for decades. The funniest woman in the world sells over a million copies, earning Moms a gold record. And it's just the beginning. She will go on to record another 22 albums over the course of her brilliant career. Former Motown Records music executive, Miller
8: London. You know, Moms, maybe her album sold, you know, like Red Fox albums sold. By Flip Wilson album, so she was a huge recording artist for comedy, you know. They, and there were a certain group of of comedians that uh, garnered that kind of respect, and she was one of them. On
2: her debut album, Moms proves she's not afraid to get dirty, <laughs> and a woman with an act heavy on sexual innuendo is still unheard of at that time. Here she is joking about a
3: turbulent flight. <laughs> Honey, let me tell you, first time I was in an airplane. <laughs> I live in Minneapolis. I don't guess I got up no higher than, than this building. For something with Kungle like that in my head. Both my ears stopped up, I couldn't hear nothing. Oh, you talk about somebody being miserable, their tenant came down. She said, Mom, I said, honey, don't say nothing. I can't hear nothing. She said, chew this chewing gum. Maybe that'll stop you. Yes, I chewed I chewed. didn't help nothing. That plane started over the mountain, getting in them pockets and dipping and carrying on. My head coming to going around, I couldn't hear nothing. I said, honey, do something for me. I'm dying, I can't hear nothing. She said, Mom, drop your jaws. And I misunderstood it. I, I, I did,
7: I did. I
9: caught a terrible cold, I did. She was talking about sexual agency, about what women want, what women like. And just because I'm old doesn't mean that I don't want to get some, basically. I think it's funny because she was doing the same stuff when she was 30 as she was doing when she was 70. Moms Mabley said it. And every woman thought it, but Moms Mabley said it. June 2nd,
2: 1962. Following in the footsteps of great black musicians like Duke Ellington and comics like Nipsey Russell, Moms performs at the Holy Grail of venues, New York's Carnegie Hall. Woo. And she's on the bill with Jazz greats, the cannonball Adderley Sextet, and vocalist Nancy Wilson. Jackie Moms-Mabley. But it's Moms who's at the top of the ticket. She becomes not just the first Black woman, but the first woman ever to headline a comedy show at Carnegie Hall.
5: Carnegie Hall at that time was the premier, it's probably maybe he still is, the premier music hall in the country. You played Carnegie Hall and the caption, Mama, I made it, really meant something.
8: That means you didn't just play to a Black audience, you played to a white audience a mixed audience and an audience of upper echelon people.
5: She set the bar for every single comedian, black comedian, white comedian, doesn't even matter. Being the first black woman to play black comedian, female comedian to play Carnegie Hall, set the bar for every woman of color. Every person, I don't care if you're Indian, I don't care if you're Latino, it don't even matter, okay? She did that and she did that in a time where we were still going through the civil rights and going through our, you know, uh, trying to get our own rights.
4: Before civil rights, before gay liberation, before the women's rights movements, Mobs maybe we was bringing this white audience, a white elite upper class audience into her world. And that's really profound.
2: But the history making concert doesn't lead to bookings on TV. Shows like The Tonight Show, where her male counterparts, like Dick Gregory and Bill Cosby, frequently appear. Mom's edgy style is considered too
1: blue for the tube. The reason why moms, in my opinion, did not get the same opportunity as other comedians, particularly male African-American comedians back in the day, is because of sexism. But they would have African-American men play women. Flip Wilson did Geraldine Jones in his skits on his show. But moms, I I don't think they were ready. I think it was too Black for American audience to receive. So I don't think she was given the same opportunity as these other comedians when she should have.
4: Because she was a woman, because she was queer, because she dealt in comedy of a sexual nature, that was too outrageous for a television audience. We couldn't really go that far when it came to television. That didn't translate into all of the great TV shows and things that you were seeing. Some of the other people that were performing at the time, who were also Black, but were men, who were kind of more establishment, who were more of a palatable kind of person. And I think it's really sexism. It's racism and sexism combined that was a real blow to her and her visibility.
2: But Moms never shows any bitterness. She later says every obstacle she faced was just a building block to her success. She continues to throw herself into her work, performing live and releasing records at a breakneck pace, while using her
1: voice in the fight for equal rights. She was very socially conscious, but she did it in a comedic way to get the message out. Moms mainly use racism as most comedians and even recording artists did in that
8: time during the civil rights movement because they wanted people to know that we were aware. We're aware of the racial injustices that go on. Moms adds some new bits to her act.
2: We count in fictional meetings with the president and other world leaders. In this 1962 bit, she jokes about a trip to the Kennedy White House <laughs> that never actually happened.
3: So I flew on down to Washington and me and her and John was sitting in the East Room. <laughs> <laughs> say, well, you going on a good wheel, turns And you're going to fly, you're going on a jet. And remember, you ain't paid your income tax yet. I say, income what? I say, you pay your debts and I'll pay mine, brother. I say, you don't tell me, I don't owe nobody nothing. I paid my taxes, I know that. And I don't owe nobody nothing. I said, "You pay your debt." He said, "What debt?" I said, "How about that civil rights bill?" He said, "He thought I now pay that."
2: Even though Moms never actually met the Kennedys, her stories
9: have an impact.
2: Professor Bambi Higgins.
9: She talked about her influence on these different, multiple stages, and as a result, she became more influential. She is becoming, suddenly a sort of comedic cultural critic.
3: We here in the United States, for example, are now engaged in a great battle to eliminate the last elements of racial discrimination in this society of ours. Joking
2: about advising the president is one thing, But it's no laughing matter when President Lyndon B. Johnson actually invites moms to attend the White House Conference on Civil Rights in 1966. And she's in good company, alongside Martin Luther King Jr. and Supreme Court Justice
8: Thurgood Marshall. Moms Mabley being invited to the White House to discuss race relations was important for the black community. They didn't invite Dick Gregory, They didn't invite Red Fox. They didn't invite some of the other comedians that were out at the time and speaking out about race relations. And to no lesser value, I think they invited her because they felt that she would would not be as offensive or as outspoken as some of the other comedians. Mom's riffs about that historic visit on
2: the album, Mom's Maybelline, at the White House Conference, which she records live at the Apollo
3: just come back from the White House car. Oh, I was there, baby, I was there. Me and LBJ. He said, Mom, I'm glad to see you. Look at it. she's right in line. I said, Daddy, I've been wanting to lose down here for a long, long
7: time.
3: He said, well, I can say that you're welcome. I said, Oh, thank you very much. By that time, some old big mouth senator, you know, that with that bushy hair, comes over. Well, uh, I should shut your mouth. Please, if you will. All I want you to do uh, is to sign that president's civil rights bill. That's all I want you to do. At
2: this point, The networks can't ignore moms any longer. In 1967, she finally makes her television debut. She appears on ABC's A Time for Laughter, a look at Negro humor in America, produced by Harry Belafonte. It's a weekly variety show spotlighting black entertainers like Diana Sands, Dick Gregory, and Red Fox. Moms opens the show sporting a Queen Victoria costume with a white wig standing tall high above her head. <laughs> she even appears in a skit with Harry Belafonte himself. Harry Belafonte was easy,
6: easy, easy to look upon. Everyone liked to look upon him. And she wasn't considered the, the prettiest thing in the world, but I'm my God. You know, that would be like someone appearing with Denzel Washington or something. You know, it made it made good theater and it made great stage. So she
8: had arrived. I'd like to introduce to you now a lady who's been one of the most popular comedians in the United States for over 40 years. Now, some of you may have uh, not heard of her yet. She's only started recently uh, doing television, but she's often been called the funniest woman in the world. And after spending a week Tom and I rehearsing and working with her, we... We heartily agree. Ladies and gentlemen, meet Moms Mabley. I'd like to tell you, Moms, it's just great having you on our show tonight.
3: Honey, and it's great being on your show. (laughs) Oh, yes, I enjoy listening to you and your dumb brother.
2: Moms Mabley is suddenly everywhere, and audiences can't get enough of this lady. She appears on the Smothers Brothers, Ed
1: Sullivan, Joey Bishop, David Frost, and Merv Griffin. And here she is, gumming her way into your hearts. Here's Moms Mabley.
2: Moms also begins using her celebrity at a tragic moment in history.
10: The heart of America is heavy for a tragedy
3: that denies the very meaning of our land. The life of a man who symbolized the freedom and faith of America has been taken.
2: April 4th, 1968, Martin Luther King Jr. is assassinated in Memphis, Tennessee. People are hurting and moms put the jokes aside to offer solace to those in pain. She records a version of the song Abraham, Martin, and John, a tribute to three assassinated Americans. It's a song first recorded by Dion, then covered by Smokey Robinson and the Miracles, before Moms records her own version.
3: Has anybody here Seen my old friend Abraham Can you tell me where he's gone. He freed a lot of people, but it seemed a good guy. I just looked around and he was gone. Let's keep
0: in mind that Abraham, Martin, and John had been recorded by the great rock and roll singer, Dion. It had also been recorded by Marvin Gaye. But Moms, Moms, maybe version of it, because this is someone, again, she was born in the 1890s. And so she has memories of, of the black community, their love of Abraham Lincoln. She literally, definitely encountered both John F. Kennedy and Dr. King in her lifetime.
3: Has anybody here Seen my old friend John Tell me, tell me where he's gone.
0: And I think she felt especially after Dr. King and Bobby Kennedy were assassinated in 1968. I need to, I need to do something other than comedy, you know, other than stand up to give voice to what I feel is happening to our country. And so her interpretation is profound. I mean, it's almost like you could feel the tears coming through the grooves of the record when she's singing.
7: Yeah.
3: See my old
2: the song isn't just profound, it's a hit. In 1969, the record charts on the Billboard
1: Top 40. Here's a lady who's been a guest of ours many times in the past. A lady so unique, there's just no way of describing her.
2: That same year, Moms goes on the Merv Griffin show and talks about going to do stand up down south, where she was raised. How do you go down there? Would do you fly or do you take the bus? No,
3: I go on the Greyhound, but the Bloodhounds bring me back.
1: The Bloodhounds bring you back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What do they call Do they call you Jackie down there or Moms? I've never known. It's Jackie?
3: No, they like me down there, to tell the truth. Yeah? Yeah. In fact, they, they like me so well because they. they, they they name that, what that man got that horse in the moon picture, that Western man. Who? Uh, uh, Roy Rogers? Roy Rogers, the, the name of Roy Rogers' horse. Trigger? Trigger, yeah. That's what they call him. Yeah, we yeah. go, hey, hello, Trigger. what you say, Trigger?
0: <laughs> and they kept calling me Trigger, Trigger, and Merv Griffin is listening.
9: And she said, then pauses, waits a wonderful beat, and says,
3: At least I think that's what they <laughs>
1: This time, we are proud to announce the motion picture debut of America's most talented, most beautiful, most exciting, most glamorous female superstar.
2: Well into her twilight years, Mom's never stops performing. At the age of 76, she stars in the G-rated comedy Amazing Grace.
3: That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. Moms
1: Mabley as Amazing Grace.
2: The film's about an elderly Baltimore woman who plots to overthrow some shady local politicians. It only makes about 700000 at the box office, but it's Moms' first starring role in a studio
10: movie. You know, when you see Moms Mabley in the film Amazing Grace, right, it, it's important for a bunch of reasons. Again... Professor of black popular culture, Mark Anthony Neal. You get to see her captured. Her image in that film allows her impact to live on in ways that it wouldn't have had she not been in this film. This film becomes a lasting tribute to who she is and her genius. In one of her final interviews, Mom's is
3: asked what advice she has for young people. Well... The only thing I say to them is what I always say. You have to uh, watch as well as pray. and Above all things, pray. That's how I made it. You understand what I mean? You're never too young. Start them when they're young to know who God is. They, 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 they can't form their own destiny. You know, God put me in show business. I prayed, and he put me in showed me the way I make a living. And I ain't look back. I
9: think the whole
11: world loves Moms, and we're
9: glad well, you could take the time God to talk to us, because we love you, too.
11: Thank God. Thank God.
2: <laughs> in the spring of 1975, in White Plains, New York, Moms is hospitalized due to heart failure. Six weeks later, she dies at the age of 77. At her funeral, the eulogy is delivered by another black comedian pioneer, Mr. Dick Gregory, who says, had she been white, she'd have been known 50 years ago. But at the end of her life, mom said she herself didn't see color. What
9: role do you think that... Black women should be playing
3: in in America now. Not only black women, but white women, black women, all of them. I'm colorblind. I don't know the difference. I only know you're a human being and you're my children.
2: Moms Mabley's impact on American culture is undeniable. And over the years, the artists who came up behind her have made sure to keep her memory alive. From actress and comedian Whoopi Goldberg, who directed A documentary film about her life To Cosby Show actress Clarice Taylor, who starred in the play Moms, and comedian And actress Wanda Sykes Who played Moms in the hit series The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel In a career spanning Over 60 years Moms Mabley overcame A traumatic childhood Racism and sexism Only to triumph making history, blazing trails, and breaking the rules. Everything she did, (laughs)
1: she did her way. You have a lot of these comedians out nowadays that are really doing well. They're getting TV shows, they're doing movies, they're doing all this, but most of them don't realize they're standing on the shoulders of Jackie Mom's Mabley. And I rarely hear them mention her when they're doing their comedy. Charisma Wooten, has kept Mom's memory alive in her
2: one-woman show, A Night with Jackie Mom's Mabley. It was a Helen Hayes nominee for the Charles MacArthur Award for Outstanding New Play in 1996. Oh, good evening, everybody.
6: How are my children doing? I'm so happy to be there. Is that your wife? Uh, you out to have a good time,
7: sir.
2: Irene Gandy is Broadway's longest-running Black press agent and producer. She says she can relate to mom's
11: long career. I'm kind of like a mom's maybe. I've been on Broadway for 50 years alone, fighting with humor. So I'm not looking for validation from white America. And neither was mom's maybe. You know, she was looking to work, have an opinion, and raise a family, and believe in God, and hopefully... One day, we will all be free.
1: That was her legacy. I think she wanted to be remembered as not only a funny lady, but a lady that brought this country together because she talked about tough issues, both as a country and as individual people that we need to tackle. She she touched those issues in a way that, you know, it was funny, but it, it was thought-provoking as well.
4: Moms Mabley's legacy is... We're able to hear women's points of view. We're able to hear from women of color. We're able to hear more of a diversity of message. And that extends to not just women, but gay people, to trans people, to people who are non-binary, people who are kind of figuring out identity. Moms Mabley gave us an entry point into the story.
2: Now, as far as my own thoughts about Moms, living in the era that she lived in, dealing with the obstacles such as race, gender, sexual orientation, to be able to put all that aside, all the heartbreak, all the pain, and still walk on that stage and give that audience what they needed to carry on with their lives, to put a smile on their face. That's a comedian's job. We take pain and we reprocess it. We take that pain and we use it to inspire you to laugh at it and to move on and try to make the best of the life that you are living on this damn planet. That's how we inspire. <laughs> Moms Maybelline, we thank you for your contributions towards laughter, and we shall continue to make you laugh. Because <laughs> that's what we
3: do. Now, if anybody wanna make mom mad, just say something about my children. Now that really gets under my skin. I like to teach children to live, because I didn't have an opportunity to live. I didn't. Now I'm old, and they accuse me of liking young men. And I'm guilty. And I won't get guiltier.